It's Friday, the 7th of November, 2008. This is Glenn Zuckman in Santa Barbara, California, on the occasion of a Long Beach State versus UC Santa Barbara women's volleyball match this evening at the Thunderdome. I am joined by, well, I am joined by the first family of setting. <laughs> I am here with <laughs> I am here with Long Beach State assistant coach, setter for Team USA, former and former USC setter Debbie Green. And her daughters, starting setter for Long Beach State, Nicole Vargas, and starting setter for UC Santa Barbara, Dana Vargas. Debbie, Nicole, and Dana, welcome to Strange Angels. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. I guess the first obvious question is predictions for tonight's game. Nicole, since you're older, I guess we should start with you. What's your prediction for tonight? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Um, well, I mean, it's my senior year, and last time I'll be playing at Santa Barbara, so... I'm predicting that Long Beach State will come out on top. So actually, this is the fourth and final meeting between the two of you as yes. college setters. Dana, they say age brings wisdom. Older sister, correct? I think in uh, some aspects, yes. But, you know, I'm always up for the challenge. So I'm thinking Santa Barbara for sure. We're ready. Watch out. <laughs> And Debbie, I have a question for you that's probably unfair to ask a mom, but a question that coaches get asked all the time. Give me the relative strengths and weaknesses of these two players. They both have different strengths. Nicole is very athletic. Dana has the leadership experience. She's always, from the time she was 9 or 10, had to be the leader of her team. Whereas Nicole, during club, always was the youngest by two years playing with older players. So she didn't have to be the leader and learn those skills until she was older. Tonight on the court, so it's the fourth and final meeting with the two of you as starting setters. Nicole has been sort of ungracious and won the first three, but it's been very, very close. <laughs> the last match down at the Pyramid a month or so ago was five sets, and fifth set, I think, was pretty close. It'll also be the last, so you're both going to be on that court wearing number 10, your mom's old number. How did you come to take that number? I've always had number 10 my whole life, so. And, and I mean, just. Because my mom was 10, okay. so I wanted to be 10. I was always number six. I don't know why, but um, it, it's also my dad's number. Uh-huh. And so I was number six last year on Santa Barbara, <laughs> but they forgot that it was a retired number. It was Roberta Gelke's number, who is an All-American. So um, I just decided, why not? Number 10 looks good. <laughs> <laughs> Debbie, you wore number 10 both for USA Volleyball and for USC. Any significance to that number? You know what? It's sort of funny because when I was about 14, 15, and we were picking numbers, I wanted to be number five because there's this really cute guy on, <laughs> on Santa Barbara's men's team <laughs> <laughs> that was number five. So I thought, who I want to be that number. But one of the older players picked five first, so I doubled five and said, okay, I'll be 10. <laughs> so it's sort of ironic that so my you daughter's... So five a... and now you have two tens. <laughs> now. <laughs> so it is the final number 10 versus number 10. I know being on the court and, and trying to run that offense is obviously an intense thing. Are you, as you're, as you're there, are you aware that, that that's your sister wearing your same number on the other side of the net and working probably as hard as you are for the opposite outcome? Yeah, I mean, I always know that it's her on the other side, but I, we don't really acknowledge each other on the court. Yeah. I think in the beginning when we're warming up, we'll wave to each other and smile, 
and then that's it. We won't look at each other. Yeah, like the there will the be moments of like awkward eye contact <laughs> yeah. during the game <laughs> where we kind of catch each other's eye and we just like we can't help but just kind of smile. Like, All right, that's weird. <laughs> Back to my away. side. <laughs> so sister mode and Long Beach State or UC Santa Barbara mode are kind of two different personalities to occupy. Yeah, I definitely say that I'm different when I play her than when I play anyone else. You're oh, not so it, as is a, it is a different match for you. Yeah, very different. I think there's like more emotional aspects mm-hmm. like connected to the game than there are in like regular like conference games or something. I definitely cheer a lot more <laughs> and do, you know when I get a block get more excited than I against someone else than I do against Santa Barbara. Special it's team. Weird. <laughs> so so Dana Nicole there are, there are many people who consider your mom to be the greatest setter in the history of American volleyball. You know, I can't imagine what it would be like to be Michael Jordan's son and, and play basketball. What's it like to be Debbie Green's daughter and, and to be a setter? Well, I mean, like, there's a lot of pressures, you know, just because of who, like, we know who our mom is and, like, her accomplishments. And so there, of course, is, um, you know, expectations. But I think, like, as we got older and matured, we took more of a role and, like, used it to our advantage, you know, like, that was something that really helped me like, oh, like I am Debbie Green's daughter. So like, I'm going to show you, I want to be as good as my mom was because she made such an impact. And Nicole, you're not only Debbie Green's daughter wearing her number, <laughs> but she's your coach. Yeah, it's, <laughs> so, it, <laughs> I mean, ahead. it was difficult freshman year, I think for both of us, because I mean, of course she'd never coached her daughter and I've never played for her before so we kind of had to figure out coach role and mom role and you know player role and daughter role but we've gotten a lot better at it and I think as Dana said as we get older we learn to appreciate it more like I remember being younger and people coming up to me and being like oh my god Debbie Green's your mom like yeah they're like oh that must be so great I'm like well, she doesn't yell at you when you come home late for curfew. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's kind of that type of thing. But especially trying out for USA Volleyball now, like all the past trads that I've been to, people come up to me and they already know who I am. Mm-hmm. They already know who my mom is. And it's like, oh, okay. So, so is that exciting or is it pressure or it's both? Both. It's nice to know that people know who you are and they're already watching you. So they have their eye out for you. Then it's like, okay, you really have to step up your game. And Debbie, what's it like being on that bench with your daughter playing for you? It is difficult at times, you know, because the setter, the position of a setter, when you do your job, when you do very well, well, that's your job. So you don't get a lot of kudos. You don't get a lot of, you know, but when you make make a mistake, well, it's known when you make a mistake. The coach, you know, is on the setter. So it isn't a lot of fun. And what I find is that I don't treat Nicole like I treat many of my past setters. You try to, but it doesn't come out that way? I or? try to, but I am, and I shouldn't care what people think because I would always put my arm around a setter and tell them it was okay if they were having a difficult time. But then, you know, the first couple of years, I didn't want people thinking I was babying my daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew that they were looking at that. And Brian had told me, no, you have to treat Nicole during games like you treated every other setter. And that was your strength. You were always there for that setter. 
But I think that was the hardest part for me. So you were kind of mom to those other setters in, in yes, a sense. Yes, I think I was more of a mom to the other setters during matches. In practices, I'm not always nice. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's different during games and then during practices. She's very hard during practices, but she actually is a lot nicer during games. So practice is the hard work and games is more supportive. Yes. Practice is when you have to learn the skill, get the skill, get the repetition, can't get away with things. And in a game, I feel like I need to be there to support the setter, you know, Nicole. And if there's a rough spot to get her through that. So Nicole, how did you choose to go to, to Long Beach State? I think I always wanted to go to Long Beach State, but then once you kind of see what else is out there and that, oh, I can leave Long Beach, you try and, you know. There's a lot of choices. Yeah. So I went on a few recruiting trips and it's a little difficult because I've just been around Long Beach State volleyball my whole life. So every time I go somewhere, it's like, okay, well, Long Beach State has this or Long Beach State doesn't have this. And I think things kind of fell into place. Like I did want to go other places, but it just didn't work out. So... And so, Dana, did, did going to Long Beach ever cross your mind, or it was, like, way too much family there? Or Well, I mean, it did, of course. You know, like, I grew up around Long Beach State Volleyball, you know, like, loving their players, looking up to them so much, you know. But I definitely wanted to get out of it and, you know, make my own name, try to at least, you know. So I went on my recruiting trips, and actually my mom is the one that said, you really should go on the visit to Santa Barbara. And I originally didn't want to, just because it was Santa Barbara. You know, I'm a Long Beach fan. So instead of a California beach school, you wound up at a California beach school. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) But I went, and it all just grew on me. You know, Kathy and I really connected. You know, like, um, we understand each other a lot. I love the team, and... I mean, you can't go wrong with Santa Barbara. It's a great city. So <laughs> here so, I am. So Debbie, you've been a, an assistant coach at Long Beach State for 23 years. Yes. Nicole, you're 21 or so now? 22. 22. And Dana, you're? 20. 20. So you guys have never really seen your mom play. I mean, the all of that USC, Team USA is obviously before you were born. Um, we have tapes of her. We have tapes. On the USA team. Uh-huh. The 80, I think the only tapes we've ever really seen are like 84, like the Olympic year. We have the 82 World Championships. But we've never seen her at USC. Or live. Or we've live. We've never seen her in person. <laughs> Except for when Dana. we force her to pepper. So all that yeah. stuff, all that we stuff about how... We make her pepper with us. <laughs> it's entertaining. <laughs> so all that stuff about how great she's supposed to be, uh, you're, you're not sure it's actually true. <laughs> I mean, it could be someone else out there. You never know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but... I know. I don't know if Nicole does, but I definitely I watch tapes when I get bored because I'm such or a dweeb. Sick when we were at home but, sick, yeah. Sick. <laughs> well, speaking of Pepper with mom, I mean, tell me about growing up in that house. There was always volleyballs around. Every ball yeah. was a volleyball. Balloons. Oh yeah, the we, mini balls. Balloon volleyball played, got pretty yeah. intense. Balloon volleyball was a big one. I think Dad would pop them. <laughs> yeah. After a while. Oh, and then he like, threatened to pop the volleyballs too because we'd play inside and we'd always hit or like something. hit him against the stairs or the wall oh, yeah. and stuff. And, so the, the sport was constantly. Mm-hmm. So what's the diameter of a volleyball? Do we know? <laughs> Good question. I don't know. No, no one actually knows. 
Touche. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think anyone in this family actually knows the exact measure. Okay, I'm going to say what? How about how about 10 inches? Is that probably something like that? Yeah. Okay. And Sounds a, good. 10's good. So we'll say 10 inches. And a volleyball is made out of leather. leather. Okay, so <laughs> we got one, 50%. <laughs> My question is obviously, this family over hours, years, achievements has had an extraordinary fascination with this 10 inch, possibly 10 inch, with this 10 inch <laughs> white leather ball. What is it about smacking this ball that's been so much fun and we're so much blood, sweat, and tears? Their dad played water polo, and he was in the Olympics, two Olympic teams in water polo. And there was a time they were sort of interested in water polo. Their friends played water polo. Joe wanted to make sure that whatever they picked, they would have good coaches. And he felt that with volleyball, I would know the coaches, and I would know which were good coaches, which were, you know, not good, not positive. We didn't always play just volleyball. That's true. Like, we both were dancers. I think I... Yeah, we were. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, I was, well, you were always well, Dana, better. But. <laughs> no, but Dana, she sang. She was a very good singer. And we, I mean, we both tried basketball. Basketball <laughs> was, did not go well. I don't well. know how I made the team. All my friends did it. I was just chilling. Yeah. It was fun, though. And I wanted, Dana did soccer. She got kicked off the team, though. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds bad, I know. So you had your choice of sports, but but it was always going to be some sport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were definitely going to be involved in some sport. So Debbie, actually, when you were playing at USC, I was a student photographer at UCLA. Oh, so you were there when her dad was at UCLA. You know, to be honest, I don't think I caught those water polo matches, but I remember those volleyball matches really well, actually. In fact, I whipped out my 1977 UCLA yearbook, and I I swear I took better photos than this, but but (laughs) the one they have is you blocking Leslie Knudsen. Oh, nice block, Mom. (laughs) That's everything they tell me not to do right there. I just want to show Brian this. And tell him, that's where I get it from. <laughs> but see, I'm facing in the court. You face out I of the court. I face in the court. Oh, my gosh. Yep. So this is not perfect. I was never known for my blocking. It's <laughs> okay, neither am I. <laughs> but what I do remember, actually, about those matches, uh, UCLA-USC, is that they always went five sets. Mm-hmm. The fifth set, and this was before rally scoring. This was, yeah. you know, side-out scoring. So these could be long, yes. grueling sets. They always went five sets. The fifth set always, as I recall, the fifth set always went extra points, and you always won. Yes. And I guess the thing that I thought at the time, as I was you know, going through the excitement and anguish and intensity of, of sitting there on the sideline with a camera, was that they were so close that I felt like on any sort of objective measure, these two teams are probably dead equal. But because you always won, I also thought there must be something. I don't know what it was, a mental edge, or I don't know, that there must have been some tiny edge that you had. Do you, do you remember those matches at all and what that difference might have been? You know what? I don't really remember that we went five all the time with UCLA. I just remember we always usually you, beat you, them. You remember the outcome. <laughs> I remember losing to them once in a tournament in the morning. I'm not a morning person. And we lost to them like nine o'clock in the morning and we ended up playing them in the finals of the tournament and we beat them. But I think we were very disciplined. Our coach was really tough coach. And 
I think we felt we weren't going to lose. We were training six hours a day because we weren't an NCAA sport back then, so there weren't regulations for the hours that we could practice. So we were training six days a week. Oh, so you actually today can practice less than you did then? Yes. So actually, it's interesting. You did have a pretty intense coach then, and, and now for 23 years, you've been assistant to a pretty intense coach. That's a good, yes, he is intense. And my coaches have always been intense, and that's what I've, that's the only thing I've known. Really. You know, the funny thing, I mean, remembering back to UCLA-USC of, of, I guess now, three decades ago, <laughs> Chuck Irby was, I remember his intensity, and you know, Andy Banikowski seemed to me, I mean, I was from a distance, of course, but it seemed to me like a really nice guy. And, and I wondered if intensity maybe did make the difference in those close moments. I think so. I mean, we were a younger team, too. I mm -hmm. think UCLA had some older seniors. We were freshmen and sophomores the two years that I played at SC. But I just felt that we were never going to lose. I just, there was and pretty never close doubt. And never did. Yeah, there was no doubt. We lost one match in two years. So after two years, back-to-back -back national championships, you go to USA Volleyball. Yes. And in 1980, the United States boycotts the Moscow Olympics. Mm -hmm. What's the experience of, of being an athlete, you know, talented enough, gifted enough, lucky enough, hardworking enough to compete on an Olympic level and then be not allowed to compete? Well, we were the first women's team to qualify for the Olympics, women's volleyball team, to qualify for the Olympics. And, you know, when you're training six days a week for years, and that's your dream, you think there's always a chance of getting injured and not being able to fulfill your dream. There's a chance you'll get beat out, you might get cut. But the thought that we'd boycott never entered our mind until the Olympic year. So of all, of all the things you worried about, that was yeah, we, that not on never, the list. Yeah, that wasn't on the list at all. And did you feel like it was a necessary thing or you were devastated? What, what? Devastated. I didn't think it was fair. I didn't think boycotting would do anything good. It would just give the Russians more gold medals. Back then in 1980, we were one of the few sports that were consistently beating the Eastern Bloc countries. So here we are decades later, you've got daughters and this whole life that's happened in between. I'm sure you don't dwell on it, but, no. but 1980, when that number, I suppose, comes up, it'll always be a, a year that you'll never know what might have been. Yeah, I thought we'd win. That's what I truly believed we would win in Moscow. But life goes on. Luckily, I stuck with it four more years. Which not all athletes obviously have the chance to do. But so yeah. now it's 1984 and the Olympics come to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And tell me about that experience. Well, we trained, many of us decided to train four more years. And it wasn't to compete in the Olympics. It was to win a gold medal. The one we felt that we would have You never had won. the chance to. Yeah, to compete for. And we didn't win. So for, for years. You came pretty close. We got the silver yeah, medal. Yeah, but we... We lost, so Silver's it was... Silver's not shiny enough. No. And, but now I realize that it's, it isn't just the color of the medal. It's just all those years with the teammates and my friends and everything that's important, you know. 20 years after your Olympic medal in Los Angeles, your former player, Misty May, goes to the Olympics and mm -hmm. wins a medal. She returned to the Pyramid a few weeks ago to celebrate the 10th anniversary of the national championship yes. team from Long Beach State. And actually, we were sitting, I'm sure you didn't notice us because you had a, a game going on, yeah. a match going on, but we were sitting about six feet behind you oh, okay. at the media table. And I asked her about you. Oh. Celebrating 10 years 
years ago, you led Long Beach State with the first perfect season in NCAA history. Sitting about six feet away from you is assistant coach Debbie Green, who 21 years before you led USC to the first AIAW perfect season and was your setting coach. Tell me about Debbie Green. Debbie Green taught me everything. I was recruited as an outside hitter, and when I came to Long Beach State, they turned me into a setter my freshman year. I had no idea. Oh, oh that was, I was, that was gonna news do that. to you. Yeah, it was the best, the best thing for me. And to have a teacher like Debbie Green, who was the best who still is the best setter in my eyes, but the best setter um, our country's had. I mean, who else? She's the guru. And just I, to learn the skills that I did from her. I think you have to go make a presentation, so I think we're going to have to say yes. goodbye. <laughs> I'm here to celebrate with my team, so okay. I'm very excited to see everybody. Miss you, mate. Thank, thank you Beach Zoo. No so, actually, she had to go run off and, and celebrate yep. that team, and I, we didn't have time to gush about you as much as no. I, I wanted. But... Um, <laughs> Tell me about Misty May. So she showed up as an outside hitter, and, and how did you and Brian wind up turning her into a... Well, when we recruited her on the home visit, her father had asked us about possibly turning her into a setter. She had aspirations to play at the Olympic level, but they weren't sure. And she was a very good hitter, one of the top junior hitters in the country. But they weren't sure about her size, whether USA Volleyball would see her as a hitter at the size she is. So they had asked about us training. At that time, we had a setter little older and we said we would start training her and maybe by her junior senior year she could be the setter of the team and it happened our other setter ended up quitting so Misty was our setter for four years and it was it kind of worked out it worked out and I just loved coaching her she's so coachable she never acted like she knew everything she always wanted more information and she just made me laugh every day Speaking of the intense coaches that you've been with, obviously she's an intense player. She's an intense player, but she's one of the goofiest people you would meet. So 20 years after your Olympic medal, she wins her Olympic medal. And then this past summer in <laughs> Beijing, she wins her second Olympic medal. And you sent her your Olympic pendant in well, Beijing? Well, she had asked me for Athens if I would go watch her. And that's during our double days, getting ready for our season. So I couldn't go. And then she asked me if I'd go to Beijing. And again, it was during our double day training. And I just didn't think I could go. And I thought, gosh, you know, this is, this is, you know, someone that means a lot to me. Who knows if she'll go to another Olympics. And her birthday, she had just had a birthday. I was trying to figure out what can I give her for her birthday. She had already left for Beijing to start training and getting used to the time in the country. And of a family friend of hers was flying to Beijing. So I, I just thought about this necklace I had that was given to me right before the 84 Olympics. Our whole team got the same necklace. Hmm. And it's the volleyball emblem, you know, the Olympic emblem for indoor volleyball with the Olympic rings. So I thought, I want her to know that even if I'm not there watching her, I am with her. So I sent it with her family friend and... He texted me right before I was in my living room getting ready to watch her play for the first time. And he texted me and he said, she's wearing your necklace. And it ended up that I was able to go watch her in the semifinals and then win her second gold medal. Oh, oh so you actually... I did end up You going. got a last minute plane ticket. I got a last minute plane ticket. Brian said, you need to go, you know. So it was really neat. As I mentioned in that interview with her, 10 years ago this season, she led Long Beach State to the first perfect NCAA season. And 21 years before she did that, you led USC to the first perfect AIAW yes. season. You've 
been involved with intercollegiate athletics for obviously several decades now. <laughs> Tell me about the impact of Title IX. Has that changed the role of women in intercollegiate athletics? It has. The women now, the traveling, the things available to them. When I played, we were the first women's team at USC to get full scholarships. No one before you had? No. Wow. For volleyball. So we were the first. And the opportunities now for these, and there's so many high school players that wouldn't have the opportunity of going to college, of getting a college degree if it weren't for Title IX. And better teams and more competition? Better teams, more competition, more spectators. There's teams all over the country instead of just on the West Coast. So AIAW was great, but happy to be NCAA. Yes, AIAW was, was sort of tough not having some of the rules. I mean, as a coach, the NCAA rules, some of them drive me crazy because there's so many of them. So it's interesting that you mentioned that at USC you were able to practice more for better or worse than yeah. you can today. Oh, yeah. So back then you said it was six hours a day, six days a week? Six hours a day, and six what is days it, a week. what is it now? It's 20 hours a week. Almost half of what you did back in the day. Yes, yeah, at least that. We were practicing a lot. <laughs> but for a college student, maybe 20 hours is enough since there's... I think it is. I mean, I remember trying to study in the hallway after six hours of practices and academics for me were not priority. It was just being eligible and being able to play. And, and I think now what I really like seeing as a coach is academics are very important to the student athlete now. So there's a different perspective to you than it was back at that time. Yes, very much. I was in college to play volleyball. You were there to play and that was to it. To play volleyball. Mm -hmm. So now that's very important to me for my daughters, that they not only play and compete, but that they leave college with a degree. Debbie, 23 years as assistant coach, ever wanted to be the head coach? No, I never wanted to be the head coach. There was one time, actually, I thought I might just to have a change of scenery, something brand new. But I realized my strengths and my weaknesses, and my strength is as a setting coach. My strength is to be there for the players. I think sometimes young assistant coaches, they don't realize the stress and the responsibility a head coach has. And I just know that's not anything I've really wanted. And something about, I guess, our culture, you know, we just elected a new president a couple of days ago, and we always sort of think of the, the top of the pyramid, that that's mm -hmm. somehow you have to have that job, whatever you yes. are, you have to climb to the next yep. thing. Yeah. I love being an assistant. So two national championships at USC, an Olympic medal, 23 years at Long Beach, national championships there. What's left to do? Right now, it's to stay number one in the Big West Conference, win the conference, see how far we can get. That's what's neat about sports. Once playoffs start, it's a brand new season. Anything can happen, and I think we have the talent on this team. I thought last year we were one of the top 10 teams in the country, and we're just taking it a day at a time and just really enjoy my last eight weeks with this team. So the answer to what's left to do is to live in this moment. I mean, it's, it's, day to it's, enjoy every day. The records day. of the past are wonderful, but it's this team, this moment. Yeah, these players, my daughter. Oh yeah, her. I mean, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so then this this old 1977 yearbook with this number ten. Obviously, she's in that moment and not probably thinking about anything else. But did this young woman that we're looking at this old picture of have any? 
vision. Uh, I mean, she probably did have visions of national championships, but of Olympic medals and and of daughters both wearing her number someday. And I think by the time I was at USC, I I knew the Olympics was what I wanted to do. And when I had our daughters, I thought deep down I would love them to be in volleyball because I was gone so much recruiting, hmm. you know, and. They were at home and the guilt as a mom of leaving them. So so I'd go to the Junior Olympics. I'd go to these tournaments and I'd think, well, maybe one day my daughters will, you know, <laughs> maybe if they play volleyball, I'll get to see them here. And that's what happened. A lot of the Junior Olympics and the, a lot of club tournaments, I'd, I'd work and recruit. And so having I'd them in the see, sport, you get to see them a lot more. I than... got to see them a lot more since they did play volleyball than if they picked another sport. And now you see too much of Nicole. <laughs> we get three hours of quality time together every day. <laughs> you know, there are not many, if any, college moms who that would be true of or daughters. I know of one other, Nikki Jade at UCLA and her mom. She's also a setter. That's right. But that's the only other mother-daughter duo I know. Three hours of quality time every day. Mm -hmm. I think what Nicole said is right. We have learned. We've grown a lot together in these four years on how to deal with each other. And I know at times she would say, okay, are you talking to me as my mom? Are you calling me as my mom or my coach? And I'd say, well, I guess I'm calling you as your coach. Have you called any other players about this? I'm like... No. Oh, just me. (laughs) Funny, you only call me as my coach. (laughs) You know, and I realized then, gosh, you know what? I am in the coach mode 24-7 with her, and that's not good. I had to learn to separate the two. It's good. It's way better now than it was freshman year. And even to the girls on the team, they're obviously my closest friends. She separates even with them, coach from mom, like my roommate, Iris Murray, Arla Barrow, actually, we were talking about it the other day, and it's gotten a lot better. <laughs> She's like, I know when I go to your house on the weekends, it's mom mode. <laughs> Debbie's not going to yell at me as the coach. <laughs> oh, so Iris knows that she can get yelled at during the week, but yeah. not on the weekend. Well, what's funny, there was one time during a match, or before a match in warm-ups, I got upset with a player, and she apologized, and I was still upset. And the next day, Nicole came to me, and she's like, you are so mean. I said, what? She's like, you're so mean. She apologized. She felt bad, you know, and, and it made me realize, you know what, I was. So on Monday at practice, I apologized to this player. Well, you know, when I watch matches and some of the intense coaches that we've mentioned in the past, I mean, you know, they're screaming at players like the whole night, every yes. minute. And, yep. you know, I would just wither and die on that court. I wouldn't, I, I could never be there. But I wonder how you deal with that level of interpersonal intensity. And it's difficult to deal with sometimes. I don't know. I think I've learned to deal with it pretty well. I mean, (laughs) there's really nothing you can do about it. I mean, all you can do is listen, try and do it and try not to dwell on all the yelling. You have to learn to, especially as a setter, being the quarterback of the team, you run the offense. You have to be a leader out on the court. You need to learn to listen to the words sometimes and not the tone, but get the information. 
and not take it personally. Oh, so even if there's a harsh tone, there's also some information that you should... Yes, there's <laughs> Which is actually, as everyday humans, that's the opposite of what we do, right? It's, yes. it's all about the tone, not the information. Yes, it's about the tone. And then you take it personally, you get your feelings hurt. And, you know, at the heat of the moment during competition, you can't be in that mode. You have to take the adjustment, listen to the adjustment, not think that you're being criticized or something because of the person you are. It's the position you hold. You are the setter, you are the middle blocker, you're a starter, you're out there, you have a responsibility. And if you're not doing it, we need, as a coach, to get you to. But I look back at that Chuck Irby versus Andy Banikowski kind of intensity and, and wonder if it, you know, makes a difference. I don't know. Well, we were very disciplined. I think part of it was because we practiced and trained twice as much as any other team. And oh, so nobody was working at that level? No, nobody in college was working like we were working so you but both do I wish, I would not want my daughters to go through that. No. It was too much. It was too much. The intensity, the, I thought it was great if they wanted to go to college and maybe earn a scholarship, but. So Brian's intense, but that was more intense. Yes. Brian's very intense, but he cares very much for the players. There's no way I could coach with someone that didn't care. He's totally different on the court than off the court. Hmm. And it was kind of weird because I've only known him off the court until I got to Long Beach. I mean, I always knew what, I've always been around Long Beach State Volleyball. I've been to most of the practices and most of the matches and I've seen what goes on. But playing for, like at Long Beach State, playing for the team is totally different. I thought I knew I was getting myself into, but (laughs) it's different when you're there and And you're actually playing for the team. Yeah, I had told Nicole, I said, are you ready? Oh, yeah, I'm ready. I said, I don't think you're ready. You don't know the work it takes. I know. I know. I know how to work. I know what it'll take. And then she told her younger sister before Dana got to college, you have no idea at the college level. you work level. hard in high school. You work hard in club. The game is just so different in high school. It came a little easier for me, I want to say. Like, it just was natural. It's just, just kind a of more intense level in the competition. Yeah, is... and then when I got to college, you just have to work that much harder because, I mean, the ball's just coming so much faster and the speed of the game is so much faster. It's totally different. Plus, in high school, Nicole, you relied on your athletic ability, and that yeah. was enough at that level. And at this level, it's And I was dis- hitting, too, in yeah. high school. So I played a little different role, I think. And USA Volleyball, is that yet another level? Yes. Mm -hmm. So so that's even another step beyond Mm -hmm. intercollegiate. As far as the hours, I don't know about the intensity of it because... The hours are... Yeah, because you're training twice a day. It's not like college where you still have to practice every day and there are things you can't do because of practice, but you can still go out and do things. But when you're training for USA, it's about USA Volleyball and that's all you do. You're either practicing or you're sitting in your dorm room. (laughs) and eating or watching TV, or if you have a TV. (laughs) What fun. So that's your next step? Yeah, (laughs) hopefully. I mean, I'm going to try out for the World University team, see how that goes, and I want to play overseas. So I'm going to be playing volleyball for a while. (laughs) In one form or another. Yeah. (laughs) And she'll miss me as her coach. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So eight weeks left, huh, of quality time? I'm hoping... At oh. least eight weeks because, yeah, mid-December, Final of, Four, I would love Length of season may vary. Yes, but hopefully we'll go to the end. That's what our goal is every day in practice, to get this team a couple points better every day. 
Okay, so I asked you for your predictions at the beginning of this, and I'm not sure I have a prediction on tonight's game that's really <laughs> relevant, but I will just say I, I might root for Dana, even though I'm from Long Beach. <laughs> oh, yes! <laughs> you can't really let Dana's Big Sister turning have, everyone against us. have all four. No um, way. My hope is that it'll be a five-set match and that the fifth set will have some extra points in it. Well, actually, let me ask you really quickly about that. When I'm on the sideline of a five-set extra point match, I mean, it's so exciting, but also tense and stressful for me. What's the feeling of being on the court at those times? Well, when I'm playing Dana, I'm thinking uh, there's no way I'm losing to my little sister because I'd get it way worse if I lost my little sister than if Dana lost to me. So I don't know. Maybe that's not the reasons I should be thinking, but that's pretty much number one in my head the whole time. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. And I... When it gets to that point, man, I get really intense. Like, I just, like, get to the point where I want it so bad, you know, like, I can just feel it, and I'll do anything, too. But, man, that would be great. That would be a great upset that I'm hoping for. (laughs) And when you want it that bad, if it wins, it's amazing. If it doesn't... You know, like... (laughs) You build character. Yeah, I know, because... I respect Nicole, you know, I respect my mom, I respect Brian and all the players over there, you know, but it would feel really good because there are so few times that I've ever beaten Nicole in anything. It's true. And the one time that I did beat her, I scratched my knee, so. Oh, the rollerblading victory. Yeah. (laughs) I remember. I got so excited I fell. (laughs) But, like, I think that was the last time I've beaten her in anything. You know, I want to win, and so we'll just see how it goes. But you have two more years after this. <laughs> to beat Long Beach State. Yes. <laughs> oh. oh, so you think it should be Long Beach tonight, and, yes. and Dana can do something else in the future. Yes. <laughs> His future. So, Thanks. so Mom, you're, you're, you're rooting against your own flesh and blood? I love her, but we've got to win tonight. <laughs> mm. I want to win the conference. I want to, yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure that however the match turns out, I feel safe in saying it's going to be a big night for number 10. (laughs) (laughs) Debbie Green, assistant coach at Long Beach State, number 10 for USA Volleyball, number 10 for USC. Nicole Vargas, number 10 for Long Beach State. And Dana Vargas, number 10 for UC Santa Barbara. Thanks for visiting Strange Angels. Thanks, Glenn. Thank you. And good luck tonight. Thanks. Thanks. (laughs) 